Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. Now, earlier this year, I interviewed Meredith Carter on the show about rejection-sensitive dysphoria, or RSD, and it continues to be the number one most downloaded episode to date. Now, we had such an impactful conversation, I invited her back to the show to talk about shame this time. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to have a listen to the RSD episode after you listen to this one. They really go hand in hand, and I'll put the show the link in the show notes for you. Now, during this episode, Meredith Carter and I talk about the ADHD shame cycle, what it looks like in adults, and how we can help our kids identify the triggers in themselves. We talk about why ADHDers feel shame on such a deep level, what shame looks like as an adult with ADHD, the long-term impact if it goes unchecked, and how we can break the shame cycle. Now, Meredith Carter is an ADDCA-trained ADHD coach specializing in group coaching. As a true multi-passionate adult with ADHD, Meredith has gained varied experience over the last 20 years working in employee training and development, as well as tackling several small businesses. In 2019, Meredith decided to pursue ADHD coaching after seeing the positive change it facilitated in both her life and in her daughter's. Meredith prides herself in her ability to hold a supportive space for her clients and facilitate lasting connections in her groups. In her spare time, Meredith loves to run, hike, and spend time outdoors with her husband and three children. Now, before we dig in, I wanted to be sure that you've downloaded the free ADHD support guide I created for you. Honestly, it might be a good idea to have your guide handy each week while you listen to the podcast because it is so full of tips, tools, practices, and resources to support you on your ADHD journey. Now, if you haven't already, download the ADHD supports guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports or find the link in the show notes. And be sure to follow it all the way to the end because I have included a one-time ADHD reset course offer that is that can only be accessed through the guide. All right, enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Meredith, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back, Tracy. Absolutely. We had such an amazing conversation. The first time we sat down together, I thought we needed to do it again. So before we dig in, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be doing what you're doing right now? Yeah. So um, I, like many, many women I talk to on a daily basis, um, discovered I have ADHD after my daughter was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, when we were going through the assessments and looking at them, I felt like if I had taken those same assessments, I would be, you know, passing that test with flying colors. 
So um, that was a big light bulb moment for me. Um, I found myself in a space when I came to this realization and also with what I was trying to help my daughter with that um, medication was so helpful for her, but I really felt like I just needed to understand more. Um, And I read a lot of books and I read a lot of articles, but it just wasn't clicking for me, like the impact and and what was really going on. I felt like things were really clinical. Uh, Most of the literature I was reading was um, talking about children, you know, Mm And as an adult, I wanted to understand myself better too, so that I could make some changes in my life. So, you know, in that journey, I started taking some courses with the ADD Coach Academy uh, just to learn at first. And then um, as I got further into those courses, really uh, became interested in working with a coach myself and uh, eventually thought it would be really cool to become a coach. I worked with employee training and development in my career. So I was coaching people already and um, just really saw the potential impact of, you know, using that modality with a population that can really benefit from um, strategies and understanding how their brain is wired. Right, right. Okay, beautiful. I love that. And you are um, yeah, so, so many of us, especially these days, especially through the pandemic, I think all these, uh, all of these, um, all these moms are like, oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. Like, who knew, you know, after yeah. decades of life and mm-hmm. wondering, you know, yeah, that's brilliant. So, and I love too that um, I've worked with lots of coaches in the past and different, you know, I, I'm always supported. I always have some <laughs> since since I worked with my first coach um, back in 2015. I think it was. Um, I won't be without a coach. Mm-hmm. But the important thing to note here is that you are um, you have ADHD, and you're coaching people with ADHD, and it's different. Yeah, so I worked absolutely. with so many coaches that. I was just trying to keep up and I was trying to, you know, it was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this thing that I'm, you know, mm. it's look at the other people. Like sometimes I do groups, sometimes one-on-one look at other people. Like they're having all these breakthroughs and all these things and what's wrong with me. So, yeah. um, I just, I like to point that out, um, because I mean, you know, we can work with anybody, right. But it's more impactful if we're working with somebody who understands right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd worked with a lot of coaches in my career, more like executive coaching and things like that. But until I worked with an ADHD coach, did I really feel like I started to understand my patterns that I was empowered to um, find strategies that actually like made sense to me. They're not usually strategies that you're going to read in a productivity book, but like, you know, looking at, uh, what you're trying to accomplish through an ADHD lens is so, so helpful. And uh, a coach that has the lived experience of living inside an ADHD brain is going to get you in a way that another coach, you know, may struggle to understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, that kind of leads me into what we're going to talk about today, because I did feel a lot of shame. I felt mm. a lot of shame. Like, why, 
what's wrong with me? Like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. Like I, I, I felt ashamed that I wasn't having the breakthroughs or that things were taking mm. longer for me or, or whatever. So, um, so, and kind of along the lines, we did the, the, uh, the, um, we did, uh, um, an episode about rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which was fantastic. And this is kind of along the same lines, but a little bit, a, a little bit different, but really impactful. It's really helpful to know that I'm not the only one who experiences shame in a deep mm-hmm. way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, why do you think that people with ADHD experience shame in such a deep way or so often? You know, I think for most of us, it likely goes back to our childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously we all have different backgrounds and different experiences, but a common thread I hear a lot from individuals with ADHD is that they always kind of knew they were different and they Mm -hmm. knew that um, whether or not they had good social skills and fit in, like they, they still were kind of like, um, I don't want to use the word black sheet because I feel like it's kind of not the right word, but like, they just felt, um, other than, and oftentimes they were corrected or attention was drawn to their behavior for things that aren't necessarily wrong, but are different. Like an example in my own life would be that I was constantly being told that I talked too fast. And as a child, one, I had no idea why that was a problem. I had no idea how to fix it, like just how I talked, you know? And it wasn't always like people were mad at me for talking too fast. It was an observation a lot of the time. But when you hear something like that over and over again, you you have this funny feeling of like, okay, I'm different. Okay, I'm wrong. You know, this right. just this just isn't right. Uh, and I think that you know, most of us feel that in a lot of different areas with ADHD, because Mm -hmm. a lot of our behaviors show up differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So we hear all of those external messages, and we start to like, internalize them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's, I think that has a whole lot to do with it, the internalizing Mm -hmm. and the, the, um, the telling more story, like making it bigger. Mm, yeah exactly (laughs) it could just be because if we if if we think about it it's just a fact that people were saying that right Mm -hmm, it's just the the fact was that people were saying that about you Mm -hmm. or to you Mm -hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't the truth you know what i mean it's right it's it's a fact that it was said period Mm -hmm. like if we could just look at it at, at something as oh it's a fact like that thing happened or that was said It'd be a whole different thing, but we tend to like spin these stories and yeah. spin off to, into there really is, you know, oh, it's just a confirmation that there really right. is something different with me. There really is mm-hmm. something wrong with me, especially when we hear it over and over and over exactly. again. Exactly. And I think what kind of the point that's coming up here too is not only do we hear a lot of those messages, our brains as ADHDers are um, more predisposed to excessive rumination. Mm, so right. when we hear something like that, instead of just being like, oh yeah, I talk fast, our brain is gonna like 
like you said, keep spinning stories, attaching meaning. Um, it's harder for our brains to move out of the thoughts and move on. Yeah. So if we, and you know, and as children, we don't know any of this about ourselves most of the time. Um, so as we grow, we keep hearing these things and then we keep thinking and thinking and thinking about them, you know, and attaching negative meaning. And then we, we get internalized that message that something's wrong or something's different. Right. You know, and I, I love that you, that you said the, the meaning. That's exactly it. Right. We make mm -hmm. everything mean everything. I mean, we are meaning making machines, as Tony Robbins says. Right? Yeah. As humans, we're meaning making mm -hmm. machines. But I think when we have ADHD, we, we, we make even more meaning yes. out of mm -hmm. everything, even just mm -hmm. sometimes just a glance or a, you know, or a look or just the, the tone of a voice or something. Oh. Mm -hmm. You know, that it's got to mean something. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Okay. So, yeah. so you think the messages that we heard when we were kids and I, and I think you're right. Like we, we kind of, we, um, we take those experiences and carry them through life and they just kind of mm -hmm. stack, right? They stack on top mm -hmm. of each other. Oh, and there, there's that thing. It's like more proof. We're getting more proof of that thing that, that, that was, um, that was, that was wrong and it do you think it eventually turns into shame or did you did you feel shameful as a kid or were you just like whatever i don't know what you know i mean probably not at first but i i definitely remember feeling really you know embarrassed every time people pointed out my fast talking mm -hmm. um i went to a um strict catholic school so shame was kind of used as a motivator oh quite absolutely often. yes <laughs> and that in my <laughs> educational environment specifically and i think a lot of educational environments right um so you know like one time i got mad at a teacher for finishing the whole class um you know for something a couple kids did and she, the punishment was to write an essay about why we have to have respect. And it was posted in the hallway with my name on it. Oh. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, shame was a, a useful tool for compliance mm -hmm. in that environment. Right. So I think, um, you know, there is that kind of like external factor. If we are, we are almost taught to be ashamed of certain things. Mm -hmm. um, and we do what we're taught a lot of the time. So uh yeah i'm completely forgetting what the question was tracy like the adhd oh i have too <laughs> i'm like did, did i ask a question i think i probably did <laughs> um but yeah no so shame. I think, there's no shame here there's oh, no, no shame your here. question your question i think now it's coming back as it always does i think your question was um what like was i embarrassed like is it mm, taught right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do think that that develops over time as we get more awareness, we, you know, as really small children, we don't know to be embarrassed, but when we're being loud in an environment, we're supposed to be quiet and our parents are like, Shh, be quiet, you're embarrassing, you know, like we hear those messages and right. then we start to feel that way. And then I think there's another layer of shame that comes in as we get older and we realize that some of the things that you know our society tells us we should be able to do easily are really hard for us um some examples of that like self-hygiene like i have a lot of clients that struggle to remember to brush their teeth or right. be motivated to brush their teeth and they don't even want to tell me that because they've learned their whole life like this is an easy task that everybody does you know so i do think that that you know there's there's a lot of 
the societal piece that comes in and then we we start attaching meaning to ourselves right. um and right. it's that that self-shame that comes in yeah you know and as you're as you're talking about this i'm thinking of my kids and seeing little glimpses of where this shame cycle could like because they're they're um they're very much like me and um and very emotional i'm a very mm -hmm. um, emotional regulation is like my number one most difficult challenging yeah. executive function um but being aware of and i always have been since my kids were little like just knowing that they're not they, they do not respond to harsh discipline or you know mm -hmm. they respond they, they respond better to encouragement and and praise and that kind of that kind of um that kind of thing but keeping always keeping in the back of my mind that okay so how can i phrase this so it's not going to um to create this you know the beginnings of what could be really big yeah decades absolutely from now, you know? it's really hard as a parent i mean yeah. i make mistakes in that area all the time um i my son said to me this weekend when he was having a meltdown somewhere and i was trying to redirect him he was like so i can't cry <laughs> and mm. i was like oh it like broke my mom heart because right. i was like you absolutely can have emotions and cry um so really like realizing how sensitive it is and you know it's never going to be perfect as educators or parents or anyone working with children um right it's a very fine line but i think it is so important that we realize like shame is not a good motivator for anyone right but it especially is not a good motivator for um people with adhd yeah we there's lots of other things that motivate us but if right. we're using shame as a tool to get what we want out of people um it might appear to be working but the long-term impact is typically going to be negative right yeah i can i can see that in my own life too you know and, and just even um, I may have shared this with you, but when I was in like first or second grade, and I remember being, um, how old are you in first and second grade? Are you like seven, You're like eight? six, seven, six, seven, eight, eight, eight okay. second, yeah. Because it seems like right around the age of eight, things started changing for me. Mm. Like I started really feeling different, really feeling like I, needed to comply. I mean, I've always been, I've always been a, a you know, a, and maybe, maybe I, I, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm thinking, I'm talk thinking. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but I had this one, uh, this one um, experience and it was like first or second grade where the teacher had called us to, to, to the floor for circle time. And I ran over like all the desks and the chairs to get because mm -hmm. I was really excited about getting to circle time. And I was reprimanded in front of the whole class and I was just like the shame. Oh mm, my God. Like yeah. I disappointed somebody. I'm, you know, all eyes are on me, you know, like all the things. I remember that. And that was decades ago. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> was like seven, maybe like you said, six, yeah. seven or eight years old. Um, and that carried with me. Like, oh, I can't can't bring attention to myself like that. I yes. can't, you know, and and um but anyway, it seems like right around that age was when I had maybe starting ha having a little more self-awareness mm -hmm. and starting to really feel different. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Like, I just don't fit in 
anywhere. I have friends. I've always had lots of friends, right? Yeah. But not really fitting in, not in the, you know, not in the traditional friend way in my mind, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of shame around that, especially yeah. with friendships, you know? Why can't I do that? Why can't I, mm -hmm. why can't I respond to texts? Why can't I make a coffee date? You know, I mean, at, mm -hmm. at this stage in the game, but um, anyway, yeah, it's interesting as we're speaking, I'm, I'm kind of going back and, oh, maybe that's about where it started. Yeah. Like this. It's interesting that you say all of that because immediately I'm like third grade was when I really started disliking school. I loved school when I was little. Right. Um, but I, I, I do think that there's that awareness that starts to happen. Um, and I hear it over and over again from people with ADHD that they didn't necessarily think they were bad or even if they did well in school, they just felt outside of the norm. Like there yep. was this sense that they were different. And like, it's so tricky because what you're describing, like you had a lot of friends. I had a lot of friends, but my friends would often see, say things to me like, why do you do it that way? Why mm -hmm. are you doing this? Why do you think like that? Like, and to, to today people like almost have this random thought and people will be like, your brain is so different. And I take it as a compliment now, right. but I feel like as children, unless we just have that really supportive environment with parents and educators and family members that like really embrace differences, yeah. different, sometimes our brain makes that, you know, be bad, you know, right. that it's wrong. So different is wrong. Ashamed about right. our differences versus mm -hmm. like really understanding them. Right. Right. Yeah. So I guess we've talked about it a little bit, but what does that look like in adult ADHD? Like when, when we have this, this, uh, this shame cycle that just keeps, you know, that, that has maybe started in, you know, third grade and then just kind of like snowballed and it's gotten bigger. Like you're rolling that ball down the hill and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What does that, what is it, what does that look like with ADHD in adults? Um, I think it shows up a lot, uh, in, the the masking realm like i think mm -hmm. shame is a lot of the reason we mask um i think it, it's behind a ton of avoidance mm -hmm. um procrastination i feel like there's also um you know avoiding shame can make us feel less authentic mm -hmm. uh we yeah. we are trying to hide those pieces that we're ashamed about all of the time mm -hmm. um and i feel like it's like everywhere yeah. Like just today, as I was thinking about this conversation we were about to have, I got an email and this person has had to follow up with me like four times. Um, and I've had got a lot going on and I've been like getting back to him in like a two, three day cadence, but there has been a lot of like little administrative tasks that I didn't know the immediate answer to. So I've been taking my time figuring it out. And I noticed myself like not even wanting to reply at all, even mm, though I had the right. info he needed at that point, because I was so embarrassed that he had to follow up with me so much. Right. And, and you know, luckily I've I've gone through so much coaching. I'm a coach myself. I've really worked on this. So I was able to recognize how my brain was trying to push me into avoidance at that point. Mm. It was almost like, well, this isn't that important to me. I'm gonna just not work with this brand <laughs> like i'm gonna oh my gosh you know so I mean? absolutely like I, my brain almost wanted to tell me like okay forget about it i've already screwed up too much i'm not gonna like go forward with this deal when i have no idea if this guy is even worried about it you know what i mean like he has not right. expressed any 
you know, frustration with me. He's been a great, he's great at his job. He's good mm -hmm. at following up, you know, right, and right. I have no idea what his thoughts are, but my thoughts were like, I'm kind of embarrassed with how slow I've been to follow up. Mm -hmm. So maybe I should just disappear. Maybe I should just completely avoid this and go dark. And I think I see it all the time with clients. They're like, I know I procrastinated on this email. So now I can't email them because it's been too long, you know? Or, I know. Is that an ADHD thing <laughs> or is that like, because I do the same thing. Yeah. Like if I I've mean, waited too long and then I'm like, oh, forget it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of things come into play and shame is probably just one of them. But, mm -hmm. you know, in that moment, that's what felt like the biggest driver for me. I think sometimes too, like our ADHD now or not now takes effect where we might have been excited about the thing they were talking to us about two weeks ago. Now we don't care. Right. Um, so there's probably a lot of ADHD things intersecting in that. But yeah. I do think that, um, you know, we think of shame as a way to like get ourselves to get things done. But most of the time it's actually preventing us from getting things done. It's probably more likely to cause us to avoid getting things done because yeah, we don't want to face those feelings, you know, of like, okay, you know, this has taken a while. So instead we just like push it away so we don't have to think about it. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, you make a good point too. Shame is, it's not a good motivator for, um, for children. It is absolutely not a good motivator for ourselves. Like I'm just going to avoid this or I'm, mm -hmm. yeah, or, or I need to do this. So I don't feel ashamed. Like wait, maybe just like shifting, shifting our perspective just a little bit. But yeah, you know what? This is really, you know, for for you, like this is really, and and I think too, like our interest based minds turning it towards the interest rather than the shame, like which is. But sometimes I feel like sh the shame might be even a little stronger. Yeah, and I I think you get a super great point there. It's sometimes what we are doing is because of shame, mm -hmm. and it is the motivation behind things, but. Typically, that means we're getting overcommitted. Maybe we're like going to get burnt out because we can't say no to things or we think right. we need to make like this perfect dinner for our family every night or we need to like do all of these things that we maybe aren't even that lit up by or there's an easier way to do them. But we think we have to do them a certain way right. because we're like less than if we mm -hmm. don't. So there's that self-shame piece, like kind of driving a lot of our behaviors. Yeah. You know, as you're saying that, I'm too, I'm thinking about the people pleasing and the perfectionism, like if, unless it's, unless it's perfect, unless it's, you know, I don't know. There, there are a lot of, a lot of factors mm -hmm. <laughs> coming in as we're talking yeah, about this. Yeah. I mean, I think they all like intersect. It's just that, um, we may have talked about this already. It's that person that has the very clean house mm -hmm. outwardly, but then you open the closets of the cabinets and like everything comes flying out at you and it's, Right, you know, right. totally disorganized because we feel ashamed that we can't do these things that other people or we can't do them the same way other people are doing them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a that's a um that's a tricky that's a tricky concept for us, right? Mm -hmm. Especially because most of the world and the the um you know the way society is set up for neurotypical people. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So we're, it seems like we're always in it. And I think, especially when you have kids, like we can't, wouldn't it be great if we just go and do our own thing, like yeah. do it just our way, but we would miss out on 
you know, on society <laughs> and the, right. the, the beauty, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of yeah, a I mean, There are things that we need to do that we don't like doing, you know, yeah. like brushing our teeth is good for us. We, right. we should do that um, because we, if we don't want to avoid tooth decay and bigger problems down the road, but the problem is we make it mean our difficulty doing those things. Sometimes we make it mean that we're a bad person or we're not a real grown up or we all of these things because we're so ashamed of it. When um, if we can kind of work on releasing some of that, we can actually get help finding a way to do things in a way that makes sense for us. Right. Um, going back to like the tooth brushing example, that might be that we pinpoint that the problem is we sit down and we don't want to get back up when we fall asleep on the couch and then we're too tired. So maybe we brush our teeth immediately after putting away dinner so that it's just right. stacked there. Mm -hmm. But if we're so ashamed, we can't tell someone we have a problem with this. We can't get help. We can't right. Right. get support. And I see that in, at work a lot where it probably would have just been better for me to tell this brand I was working with, hey, I've got a ton going on right now. I've got this on my calendar three days from now. I'll get it to you then versus just avoiding. But because we're so ashamed that we aren't operating the way a neurotypical person would operate, we don't even want to share that. So we kind of stay in the cycle. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was having a... Um... Having a conversation with my daughter, um, we have lots of lots of opportunities to talk in the car on the way to school. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about we we're talking about a couple of different things. We were talking about masking. I was just asking her some questions about uh, about some things that were going on. And I'm like, have you ever heard of masking? She's like, oh, yeah, our um, the the counselor has um, she apparently the counselor's talking to the kids about what masking looks like. And I, mm. and, and I asked her something else. Um, it was something about the way that she, um, arranges her morning. Oh, maybe I need to do this when I do this and then I won't forget. And I said, Oh, that's really cool. That's, that's called stacking. She said, Oh mm. yeah. Our counselor taught us about that. I'm like, Oh, great. I'm that's so happy fantastic. to hear that's happening at a school. That's amazing. <laughs> I, well, that's exactly, I know. I think that, I think she said the masking thing the other day and then about the stacking today, I was like, I love that. I mean, I know that she, the, the counselor's absolutely amazing i i have um i'm on a first name basis with her but um but I'm, i guess i i bring that in because we have an opportunity as moms to help our kids to not stay in that shame you mm -hmm. know to 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 see things and ask for help like you said and, yeah and, and to not to to get past that i'm always encouraging my kids so you know, would it be worth it for you to take, to send an email and ask for help, you know, to a teacher or whatever? It's coaxing a little bit, but mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, that was easy. And they said, yes. And they, da, 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 you know, but I think we have the opportunity to this next generation, right? That we can notice our own shame and notice what, you know, what happens in us and talk about it. You know, yeah. talk about it out loud, but also talking to our kids about these different things too. And sometimes I forget, I mean, this is what I do for a living, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm a coach, <laughs> but sometimes with my kids, 
it's a, like I put on a different hat or something, or, and there is also the, sometimes I have tried so hard to, um, to, uh, um, teach my kids that they're like, la, 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 like I can't, no, yeah, mom. that happens to me too. Yes, yes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's a complicated thing being a coach mom. It is. Um, it is. <laughs> but I think it's so helpful, like, to start empowering them young to um, share what they're struggling with instead of covering it up, um, to know that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be different. It's, you know, that if we can move forward with being curious about why we're doing things versus automatically embarrassed that it's different, then they are so much more empowered than most of the kids were that were in our generation. My right. my daughter is very similar to how I was as a child. Um, so much personality, so fun, um, amazing kid, but she would have been labeled like super extra Mm -hmm. uh as a kid and like asked to kind of like rein it in <laughs> you right, know right. and very impulsive says whatever's on her mind is where she's going to be a stand-up comedian and you know knowing what i know it's so much better to be able to like share with her okay like yes like you were really funny but let's you know like let's think about the impact that might have on somebody else and let's mm -hmm. think about you know like here's a here's a good way to express that instead of being like okay you're too much you need to right. stop you need to change who you are as a human being but like mm -hmm. like you said like we need to be able to like be in society and have the benefit of community and sometimes our adhd tendencies you know steer us wrong <laughs> so it's not yeah. like we can just totally unmask but we also have to like understand like the impact on others at times and and have a solution versus like you know, just telling them not to be who they are, like right. having different outlets for those things at different ways to manage it. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I think we have we have a great opportunity. I mean, I, I know already just with, you know, I want to make I want to change everything for them, right? Like I want them yeah. to have a completely different trajectory, which they already do. You know, mm -hmm. but I don't have to do like this grand thing. I can do. I'm, I'm, I'm helping them. They're already on a different traje trajectory than yeah. I was. And with the self awareness and with, with, uh, with asking for help. And it took yeah. me till I was an adult to really ask for help. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you know, anyway, that's kind of a little, or a little, little off the off the track but well yeah i mean i think it actually is probably right on track because mm -hmm. that's a lot of reason we don't ask for help is we, we don't think we should we should need it you right. know and right. we're embarrassed that we need help with things that other people don't need help with or don't share that they need help with so that is just another one of the impacts i think is that we don't we don't voice our struggles because we right. feel like we shouldn't have them you know and this is interest this is uh um this is was my experience I had a lot going on when I was um, in uh, when I was a teen and a young young adult. I had a lot going on, and I went to three different therapists that just beat the crap out of me, Meredith. Mm. Just you know, oh, lots of people go through this. I had a I had a counselor one time tell me that, um, well, my father was going through Alzheimer's when I was your age, and like. Oh yeah, that like, well, your I life is good. Right? So, like I yeah. tried to ask for help, but, um, and I'm oh. re very, very aware of that when finding um, support for my kids too. I'm yeah. very, very aware of that. Like, is this person going to actually help them or beat them down? 
<laughs> like I did. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's, that can be a huge problem. I hope that our mental health community is evolving from that approach. But I, yeah. I do remember internalizing those types of messages as a kid to like, you know, your parents are still married. You have food on the table. Like right. you shouldn't be struggling because right. you have all of these things in place. And exactly. I'm so glad as mothers now we can be like, look, my child's pretty privileged, but that doesn't mean that she is not struggling with some things and needs exactly. support, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, and we're kind of talking about that right now, but when when that shame cycle goes unchecked i mean we we you know what i what i know about ad you know that with the, the adhd can come up come with lots of different comorbidities which i absolutely despise that name it's a horrible mm -hmm. name yeah um but it's true and i kind of feel like the longer you know these these uh symptoms i guess like the like a shame, I guess shame would be kind of a symptom. Wouldn't it be mm -hmm. a symptom or a, an effect? Um, but when they go unchecked and when we keep them down and when we push all that stuff down, we can, we are more prone to more, you know, mental health issues and yeah. issues in relationships and, and with our physical health, you know, because our emotions yeah. get trapped in the body. What are your thoughts on, on what happens when, um, when, uh, the, the, the shame goes unchecked. I mean, I think we start to structure our whole life around avoiding the shame, mm -hmm. which right. is likely not going to mean that we're structuring our life around our own values and interests and the things that light us up. So right. we're, like you said, we're going to be anxious. We're going to be burned out. We are not going to feel like in touch with who we really are. Like I look at back at the person I became after I got married and really wanted to fit in this box, you know, of this wonderful mother and wife and all of that, right. um, with the perfectly clean house. And I was like losing so much touch with who I was, you know, and it was not, you know, and then when you stuff things down, they come out in other ways. Like they yep. come out with relationship conflict because it just doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So I do think the impact, I think it impacts you know, how we feel about ourselves, which is one of the most important things. Um, it creates like the foundation for a lot of our behaviors. Um, and once we have habits and behaviors that are like kind of driven by shame, it's hard to unwind those. Yeah. Uh, and they're typically not the most supportive behaviors that we need to I live agree. a fulfilling life. Um, again, we talked about the work thing. It can like really impact how we behave um at work mm -hmm. uh as entrepreneurs like we might not put something out there because you know we feel shame about it things like that relationships um it just has like an overreaching impact i think in a lot of areas of our life and if we don't understand why um we just it erodes our our whole self-concept you know yeah yeah you know i think it's um i think it's important that we're having this conversation but there are so many aspects of ADHD that, you know, and still I meet women who ADHD, what they understand about ADHD is focus issues and they're disorganized and like mm -hmm. all of these things, but there are so many more parts. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, so many more, um, uh, add-ons, things that, you know, get bigger. And I think it's really important for us to talk about these things for one thing, so you can realize that you're not alone. Yeah. Right. That we do feel shame in a bigger way. Mm -hmm. And, and then I, 
I, I often feel like once we even just notice that and recognize it, sometimes like things just lift, like they just shift. Yeah. Like, oh, that's why that's why and maybe you know we talked about things that happened when we were kids and sometimes not always but sometimes it's just a little it's a, the realization or the 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 noticing that oh there it is again oh okay i'm i'm i understand that a little bit better you know i understand yeah. where it's coming from why it's happening um mm-hmm. and then we could but before unless we can notice and and mm-hmm. see what's happening we can't change anything Right. Yeah. We have to be aware of it. And I think that's, that's part of it is we don't really get it. Like we don't know why these things are hard. We don't know why we're different. Um, and so, you know, that masking gets, becomes part of our identity, like you said. And until we start sharing our struggles, a lot of times, um, we feel completely alone in it. Uh, and that, that is where I think that we really, really can struggle. So that's, that's such an important point is that, ADHD is so many things. It's not just being disorganized. It's not just struggling to focus. Um, And that emotional piece, our emotional regulation, all of that is kind of the piece we don't talk about as much, but it is for some of us, it's part of the biggest struggle. It is the biggest struggle for for me anyway. Yeah, for for so many people. And it's so complex and it is so important that we um learn about it and love ourselves and start to change the stories we have about ourselves yeah absolutely and and you know meredith one more thing back to um what you were talking about about the authenticity because when we are not when we're holding that in right the the Mm -hmm. so so what if you talk fast i walk fast Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm always walking circles around everybody. (laughs) Maybe I'll just walk around you because I just can't can't slow down. (laughs) So true. Yeah. But that, but that allowing ourselves to, you know, when it comes to business to put that post out, even if it feels like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I'm actually letting somebody see that part of me. For me, it was, um, it was my spirituality. I have always been, I've been, I've been, um, I've been a, um, a seeker, I guess, mm-hmm. since I was a kid, right? Always, yeah. just always reading, like always learning mm-hmm. and growing and my spirituality, I didn't really, I didn't really, um, I don't really have anybody to talk to about it for mm-hmm. a long, long time. So I kept it to myself, but you know what? It's a huge part of me. Yeah. And I remember, um, when I, when I had my kids and you were, you spoke about this too. When I, when I had my kids, I also, I took, I took on this role. Like I'm going to do this perfectly. And oh my gosh, it, it was a train wreck right, for me. Yeah. Cause I, I, you know, I had replaced all of my, all of my, um, my, uh, spirituality and all my self-help books and all of that with parenting books on my night table. Mm-hmm. I had literally taken my whole, like all of my, um, all of my books and like growth is my number one core value, right? I took it all and I put it in the attic. Yeah. So I literally put myself in the attic when I had my kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I finally took the box down and I actually put my books out in the living room, like I had spent so many, you know, I spent decades feeling a little shameful that I had this 
deep interest in spirituality. And when yeah. I finally, I remember when I finally put them out in the living room on the bookshelves and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, but, but that, and it felt like it took a lot for me to mm -hmm. actually be authentic, you know, be yeah. myself. This is me. Like I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm not who you think I am. Cause I haven't shown you. Yeah. And Hey, you might just like me if I show you who I am. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah. I <laughs> I relate to that so much. We hide these pieces of ourselves. And I mean, like my example that would kind of be parallel to what you talked about is um, pretty much everyone other than maybe my husband and a few people. Um, I mean, the people I went to coaching school knew, but my ADHD diagnosis was revealed to my family by me creating an Instagram account about it. Oh. So even my mom found out that I had, I mean, she probably maybe suspected because my daughter, I was open about my daughter. I talked about my daughter to a lot of people. And that's like, you know, those conversations were kind of where I was like, we need to be talking about this more because there's a lot more out, out there, you know, like there's a lot of moms I'm finding that are feeling the same way. And it felt so good to be like, yeah, it really struggles when, you know, you have to go in and advocate. Like, it's hard when you have to advocate for your kid. It's hard when your kid is doing things that other parents are like maybe judging, you know? And right. when I started having those conversations, I'm like, oh, this is kind of healing. And then when I started my account after becoming a coach, like I'd gone all the way through coaching school and I still wasn't talking to people about this until right. I did it in that moment publicly. And it was so scary mm -hmm. and it did not, it felt both very good and very bad at the same time, right. which it sounds like for you too, it was like putting those books back was like your outward way of being like, this is who I am and I'm embracing it now. Right. Um, and I have zero regrets taking that path, but the shame held me back from doing that for quite a while. Right. Like, right. And that's, um, I think that's the biggest thing that we can do for ourselves and our others is to, find safe spaces to share our stories, to talk yeah. about what we've been through, talk to other people, hear their stories, because we are not alone mm -hmm. in, you know, feeling this way and being different. And there's so many more of us out there, but like, because we're taught to hide it, then, you know, like we, it just becomes one more thing we can't show the world, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought that up about the shame about your ADHD. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Me as well. I'm, and, and I, it wasn't, I mean, I've been kind of talking about it, but just kind mm -hmm. of, oh yeah, well the ADHD, you know, kind yeah. of like, a, oh, that thing, but not as a, Hey, you know what? I have ADHD and my yeah. brain is wired differently. And, you know, and actually be, it took a lot, it, Yeah, it's very but I'm hoping, sometimes. I'm hoping that our listeners will hear what you said about that, you know, the, the shame around ADHD, cause that's a, <laughs> there's another thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have only had a few negative experiences from sharing. It's been really interesting over the last, um, I guess three, four years now when, uh, people like I meet my husband's coworkers or whatever, and they ask what I do at first, it was like, ADHD coach, you know, it felt really weird to say, and now I'm very confident right. in how I present that. But um, the interesting thing is that almost every time they go, oh, so do you work with kids directly or mm, the parents? Interesting. And there's still just a lot, unless you're in this world, there's still not a lot of adults that like think this is a thing for adults. Right. So then I always come back with, well, I have ADHD myself and I work with primarily adults. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and typically they, it's received well, they're surprised. They ask questions a lot right. of the time and it's a great well, opportunity. Good. Yeah. But it is, it's funny because we don't talk about it. I mm-hmm. know so many people that were like, I was diagnosed as a kid, but my mom told me not to tell anyone, oh, you know, right. like that. I think, especially in our generation was more common. We didn't want to be labeled. There was that anti like labeling kind of movement among educators. And I'm sure it was grounded right. in you know, not wanting to pigeonhole kids, but Mm -hmm. kind of have that backfire effect of like, okay, let's not talk about any of these things. And so it's- And then we'll alienate alienate them even even further. (laughs) Yeah, and it's still surprising, you know, to adults, but I feel so confident in my knowledge now that I can navigate those conversations so much better. And there's a lot of people I'm meeting, like I went to an event with my husband and was talking to this woman and you know she asked what i did and i shared and she's like oh i'm actually following you and i have adhd too and we had a great weekend getting to like talk about it and feeling open you know and i think that the more we can kind of find those people that we feel safe being honest with and sharing with Mm -hmm. the easier it is to start unwinding some of that shame and finding ways to do things that actually motivate us versus make us do things out of you know, wanting to avoid feeling terrible. Right, right. Okay. And that was kind of my next, <laughs> that was kind of my next question, but, um, but you know, the how, like, what do we do? Yeah. You know, yeah. but those I mean, simple things, right. The starting, starting small. Yeah. Starting small. And then we can, you know, cause I, 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 I mean, what you did with your, with your Instagram, that was a, that was a, yeah, way. I mean, and, but like, I, I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying I recommend announcing your ADHD to your whole, I mean, it's cool if you do it that way, but, right. um, you know, but before that all, you know, I had been attending coaching courses for a couple of years now. I've been right. having conversations with friends that have kids with ADHD and, right, you know, right. sometimes people would disclose to me and I, I, I built, it was baby steps, you yeah. know? Yeah. And sometimes we do that big dramatic thing because, you know, that's kind of, who we are sometimes, you know, we make those big splashes. And I love that about people with ADHD, but don't necessarily feel like this is something where you're going to listen to this podcast and tomorrow you're not going to operate out of shame ever again. Like you and I both, I'm sure we still do it. Oh, absolutely. I still Um, do. It's still a part of it. It's so ingrained in us. Um, I do want to say though, I think it's really important that if you had a like highly traumatic childhood or even I mean, everyone had trauma in childhood. If you're really feeling very stuck in the shame, mm-hmm. um, therapy can be really helpful. Absolutely. You know, you, you, right. you don't have to do this just organically by talking to people and sharing your story and reading and doing all of that. All of that stuff mm-hmm. is part of it. But um, if you have been, if this topic has been on your mind for a long time and you haven't been making progress, um, therapy, coaching, those, you know, I would say therapy first if it's trauma-based, Absolutely. Definitely the course to take. But um, yeah, I think having ways to process it, seeing examples of how it looks to operate through, you know, by choosing different motivators than shame, Mm -hmm. like being leaning into asking for help and honesty when we are struggling, I think is key because oftentimes we make our lives easier by just being able to like share that something is hard mm-hmm. and there's usually somebody that can jump in and help really easily. Right. You know, right. like versus trying to avoid that feeling and creating a bigger mess. So, um, yeah, I think the biggest factors are find people to talk to about it, 
know that you're not alone. You know, every right, time right. I post like some super embarrassing story on Instagram, that's when I have the best engagement because people are like, right. oh my gosh, me too. I feel seen. So you're definitely not alone in feeling that way. And yeah. um, kind of just being authentic in that, I think is the best path forward. Right. You know, and as you say, the the being authentic, like I have to ask myself and a question that we should ask ourselves, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst thing that could happen if I start this Instagram, uh, open this Instagram profile? What's the worst thing that can happen if I put my spirituality books yeah. on the bookshelf that my mother-in-law sees it and she yeah. asks me questions? It's usually going to be that someone's going to judge us. Right. And you know what? They're probably going to judge you anyway if they're that right. type of person. Um, we have no control over what anyone is going to think of us. So why not just be who we are? You know, yeah. I, that was my biggest thing. I was like, oh my gosh, my whole family, they're going to think I'm cringe, I'm extra, you know, like, who is she to do this? You know, right. all those thoughts are going to come up. But, you know, I think that it feels worse to continue playing the part of someone that you're not, Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, like I said earlier, emotions get trapped in the body and can mm -hmm. really i mean they they show up as dis-ease right i mean yeah. sometimes dis disease but in, in yeah. different ways in the body you know i mm -hmm. call it the cosmic two by four like <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like trying to get your attention we we don't need that we don't have to wait for that like we yeah. can start with little baby steps so meredith yeah. this has been a fantastic conversation i always love to talk to you i know we have more we'll have more conversations um uh coming in, in the near future um but can you tell us how our listeners can find you well, I am hanging out on Instagram almost daily. Uh, my Instagram handle is hummingbird underscore ADHD. Uh, find me there. And then I always have a link in my bio of what I'm offering at any given moment. I have, um, you know, some things in place. I have a community for adults with ADHD. Uh, sometimes I'm offering one-on-one -on -one coaching. Sometimes I'm doing group and it's just, I do a lot of variety, a big variety of things because it's really helpful for my ADHD too. Right. I, I know I call it ADHD style. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny when I do these podcasts because I'm like, I don't know when this is going to air. I don't know what I'll be offering at the time, but that's how, that's right. why I always direct people back to my Instagram because that is where you can kind of find out what's going on. Yeah. And, and um, Meredith's Instagram is fantastic and so relatable. Like That's where I found you actually on Instagram. So in Tell Us, you have a super exciting uh, project that you're working on right now. Can you tell us about what's coming? Yes, I am so excited to finally be able to share about this, but... I am currently working on my first book. It's going to be called It All Makes Sense Now, Living mm. a Creative and Colorful Life with ADHD. Oh. Um, so I'm writing it right now. It will be published uh, July or August is kind of the target right now. It's not finalized of next year, 2024. So depending on when you're listening to this, it might be a long wait. But I am going to be sharing kind of like how I'm making this happen as an adult with ADHD, how I'm how I'm actually writing this book, what I'm dealing with emotionally, sharing my story in this format. Oh, so, so helpful. Follow yeah. me on Instagram if you're curious about what what that's like, because I I I'm very like I find a lot of healing in sharing my story. And mm -hmm. I also have seen the impact of that 
um, with the people that interact on my page and the people I work with, uh, that right. community that's created through stories. So working on that and definitely follow me on Instagram for updates and get on my mailing list so that you don't miss out when it's finally here in the world. Yes, absolutely. I'm super excited. Congratulations. Thank That's you. really, really exciting. Yeah, You're doing it. You're doing it's like it. my, my childhood dreams are coming true. It's just oh, that I girl know. that was always too much is getting her, getting to have her voice now. That's fantastic. <laughs> and you can speak. You can speak yes. as fast as you want. <laughs> I know. I'm like kind of scared to record the audio book. People are going to have to like slow it down probably, but <laughs> I, you know, you say that, but I don't, I don't see that. And maybe, maybe, maybe I it's because I, I talk I, fast I really too. Good at, you know, I, I used to do corporate training, so I did have to like learn speaking techniques. Right. But if you, if we were having a cup of coffee, Tracy, it would be a whole <laughs> different story. So. Right, right. Well, Meredith, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your brilliance and definitely go and check Meredith out, check her Instagram out and check out her offerings. And I will, um, I will let you know, Meredith, you let me know when the book is out and I can go in and put it in this, um, in the show notes as well. It, it'll yeah, go out absolutely. well before then. No, it feels so far away, but I'm sure it'll be here before we know be, it. <laughs> you know, no time. Yes, I know. Like a year, it really takes you guys a year to do this, but. <laughs> right, right. ADHD in time. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Meredith. Take Thanks care. Thanks so much, Tracy. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. Now, one thing I know for sure is that managing ADHD is not a one-stop shop. There are so many tips, tools, practices, treatment options, and lifestyle accommodations to consider. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and wonder where in the world to start. If you're nodding your head yes, then you'll want to check out the free ADHD supports guide. It's a super simple step-by-step -step guide that keeps your ADHD brain engaged because it's interesting, it's important, and sometimes even a little exciting. I invite you to consider yourself a detective as you discover the ideal combination of supports to help you remain calm, be more consistent, stay focused on what's important, shift out of overwhelm and other big emotions more quickly, make decisions more easily, and develop more confidence, all while becoming more of the person you know yourself to be. Download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or find the link in the show notes. I truly believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Goodbye for now.